You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good morning, happy Saturday and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast brought to you by Manscaped.com. As ever, I'm your host Harry Simu and on this edition of the show we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's Premier League clash with Aston Villa scheduled to take place at the Emirates Stadium uh, tomorrow evening, Sunday evening. Um, it is the Sky box office game which is a little bit annoying but as you can see from uh, the figures of late I, I figured that not many people are buying it anyway. Um, so many different ways of watching football nowadays that um, very few are actually going down the legit route it seems and uh, actually paying for the game Um, which is a good thing because maybe we'll see pay-per-view stopping as a result maybe we'll see the Premier League take a decision that actually this is not working and maybe we should do something else something a little bit more fan friendly just to, to kind of start off on that I mean I'm not dead against the the idea of pay-per-view, in particular when we're talking about games that weren't going to be televised anyway. That's not really my issue with it. I think actually it's probably a nice way of supporting the clubs a little bit, but also giving the fans the opportunity to watch games that they wouldn't normally be able to see. In Arsenal's case, it's probably a little bit different to some of the other clubs because we've not um, we've not paid for our season tickets this year. I know that those of us who had credit of some of us opted into that scheme, didn't we? Um, where we thought we were going to go into ballots and, and Arsenal have taken that credit for now. But that credit's going to come back to us. It's not as though they've robbed us. And so for me, paying for the odd game here and there that, as I said, wouldn't be on television isn't a big deal. Um, what is probably a big deal for a lot of people is the pricing. I think that £15 a game is way too steep um, for literally one game. Um it just doesn't feel right. So I get why people are frustrated. I get why people are disappointed about that. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Arsenal are the pay-per-view game uh, tomorrow. It's a dodgy kickoff time. I don't like these Sunday evening kickoffs. It's the same kickoff time where we were uh, beaten by Leicester City. So I don't know if it's because it's a bad omen or whatever. But I- I'm not a fan of the 7.15 kickoff on a Sunday. I just, I don't know. I'm not keen on it. Um, But anyway, let's move on to talk about the game. Of course, Aston Villa come to town. Um, Aston Villa, who currently sit in eighth place in the Premier League. They've won four of their eight Premier League games so far, lost two. Um, And that doesn't make sense. I'm just looking at the stats here. How the hell can they have... Oh, sorry. Looking at the wrong bit. Right. Aston Villa have won four of their six games. They've lost two. Of course, they've played a game less than everybody else. That's what threw me off. They've picked up three clean sheets um, in the division. And they're, of course, in eighth place at the minute. Um, Average goals scored per match, 2.5 goals per match in comparison to our 1.29. They actually create a lot more chances than us at the moment as well. They create an average of 2.67 chances in comparison to Arsenal's one. Now, when I take these statistics from the Premier League's website, I'm not 100% sure how they get 
these stats? How do they get, when they put chances created, what warrants a chance created? We don't really know. And so, yeah, look, obviously Aston Villas is higher than us. And, and I think every Arsenal fan in the world has been sort of discussing the fact that we probably lack a bit of creativity this season. And that's been a bit of an issue. But how they get that stat exactly, I'm not 100% sure. To say Arsenal create just one chance per game on average, I think is a little bit harsh. Um, so I do wonder what warrants a, a chance in the Premier League's eyes. And if that's different to, to what we would say, probably is. Um, so, yeah, Aston Villa have had a really, really decent start to the season. Um, the top goal scorer in the Premier League between the two sides is actually Jack Grealish. And then joint top is Ollie Watkins. So it's two Aston Villa players there. And then from Arsenal's perspective, the third uh, in line in terms of combining the two squads in terms of Premier League goals so far, it's Alexander Lacazette. Now, of course, they've had some... Really impressive results this season, most notably that 7-2 win over the champions Liverpool, where, let's be honest, they absolutely battered them. Liverpool weren't at the races, granted, and Villa was slightly fortunate because it, it felt like everything they hit just went in that day. But credit to them, they've started this season in, in a really good fashion, really strong fashion. Um, they've lost their last two, though, and... Perhaps we're starting to see, I'm not going to say the wheels coming off of Aston Villa because they're still, when you consider that they just about survived relegation last season, they're obviously punching above their weight. But what I'm trying to say is, I think we're getting to the point now when you start getting to eight, nine, ten games in the Premier League, you start to see the majority of the table actually even out and actually start to take take shape. Obviously, there's still going to be anomalies. It's still very early on in the season. But teams like Aston Villa, I think their form is going to settle down now. Whereas their form was like that right at the start of the season, we knew that it was OTT. Um, you know, they were they were punching well above their weight. That is going to come back down and that is uh, going to level itself out. So there is a danger here, I think, of giving Aston Villa too much respect. Now, I say that carefully and cautiously because, of course, they do have a lot of talented players. But, you know, they've still got fragilities. They've still got problems. They've still got weaknesses. And they're coming to the Emirates Stadium. Now, I know that a lot of people since the lockdown have been talking about the fact that there is no home advantage anymore and all of that because there is no fans. To a degree, I agree with that. But I still think there is some advantage to be gained from playing on your own pitch. Um, I, I really do genuinely believe that. So I still think Arsenal have the upper hand here. Now, just kind of finally on Aston Villa obviously there are a few problem players that we need to deal with um, you know Ollie Watkins has come in uh, from Brentford over the summer he's been really really good up front very hard working he's scored goals he's taken opportunities when they've come his way uh, Jack Grealish everybody knew what a quality player Jack Grealish is and was and, and it will go on to be and it makes me even more confused as to why Gareth Southgate just simply doesn't fancy him Um and then another addition that they made this summer is is Ross Barkley. Now, Ross Barkley has always threatened to be a really good, consistent Premier League footballer, but his career has been very up and down up until this point. I think we've seen glimpses of what he can do, and I think that some of the moves, or the move that he made in his career from Everton to Chelsea, for me, was absolutely the wrong one. He's now moved to Aston Villa. I think he's he's showing what he can do at Villa. Obviously, he has that... Um, that ability to make runs forward, to get involved with the attackers, to shoot from distance, um, linking up really, really well with Jack Grealish, really well with Ollie Watkins. So those are the three Villa players for me that we need to watch out for. Barkley, Grealish 
and of course um, Watkins. I think they they make a, a really good combination, and I think that that's been the difference between Dean Smith's side last year and this year. Yes, defensively, um, you can probably still get at, um, at Aston Villa. You know, I, I think you can. I think that Aston Villa are not a particularly solid side at the back. Although, having said that, um, is it Consa? I think, has had a really good start to the season. So, look, overall, there are improvements in Aston Villa everywhere, all over the field. And and Emi Martinez, of course, who we're going to come on to talk about in a little bit, um, is part of that side now. But what I guess the point I've kind of gone around the houses to get to is that actually this Aston Villa side, I think, are not as good as the table suggests at the moment. They're not as strong as their start to the Premier League campaign reads. So I think Arsenal should be bold in this game. I think Arsenal should be brave in this game. And I think Arsenal need to take the game to Aston Villa, put them under pressure and um, yeah, do do what we do, what we have done best over the years. Because um, yeah, it's, um, it's a strange game. I feel like at times under Mikel Arteta, whilst, you know, I'm happy with what he's done and I've backed a lot of his decisions, I feel as though at times we've shown opposition sides too much respect. And I feel like this is one of those ones where it's a it's, it's very difficult to find the balance. Because yes, we've got to be wary of what Aston Villa did or have done at the start of the season. But this is an Aston Villa side, as I've already said, who just about dodged relegation. So... Um, Let's um, let's be aware of that. Let's be brave. Let's impose ourselves. We're at home. We come into this off the back of a really, really uh, good performance at Old Trafford and a big win um, in the race for the top four. So, yeah, let, let's let's be let's be ourselves. Let's be Arsenal. Let's go there and take the game to Aston Villa. Yes, we have to be wary of what they possess on the counter attack and what they possess in the final third. But I am confident that Arsenal, if Arsenal do. Um, if Arsenal perform well, if Arsenal, um, you know, do the right things. And by that, I mean, take the game to Aston Villa, be dominant, press high up the pitch like we did against Manchester United, particularly in that first half. I really, really do think um, that we stand an excellent chance of taking all three points here. I'm going to touch on the Emmy Martinez thing a little bit because... Obviously, that is a, a big deal going into this game. And there are a lot of Arsenal fans, including me at the time when he was sold, who thought that maybe we'd sold the wrong goalkeeper. And um, perhaps we'd made a bit of a mistake there. Emi Martinez started the season in fantastic form for Aston Villa. He's made a couple of minor errors in the last few weeks and there have been a couple of poor results from Villa. And people are starting to say, well, look, there you go. I told you, um, actually, we didn't make a mistake, etc., etc." Look, it's impossible to know. 100% if we made a mistake at this stage of the season. We're, what, eight games in, seven games in? It's impossible to know that for sure. But, um, you know, I think that there are certain things that Emi Martinez brings to a defence that Bern Leno doesn't. Equally, I think Bern Leno is a better shot stopper. Um, if someone had to pull off a spectacular save to keep you in a game with 10 minutes to go, I'd rather have Bern Leno in between the sticks. But if you're talking about dealing with crosses, for example, commanding his penalty area, then I go Emi Martinez. So there's good and both to both goalkeepers. And what I'm worried about, and it's pointed out by Lewis Cooper in the chat. Big hello to you, Lewis. Um, he says, do you think... Uh, sorry, I've clicked on the wrong comment. One second. He says, both keepers are going to be under the microscope for this game by the Arsenal fans. Yeah, agreed. And and God help Burn Leno if he makes a mistake in this game and Emi Martinez has a blinder because those noises are going to start up again. I didn't 
um, particularly think that, you know, Bern Leno even played well in midweek against Mulder. I think he was partly responsible for the goal that we conceded. Um, and that's the kind of frustrating moment that Bern Leno seems to produce a little bit too often for me. But equally, Martinez has had a bit of a rougher time of it in the last few weeks as well. So, you know, every goalkeeper is going to have peaks and troughs. Every goalkeeper is going to perform at times and he's going to let his team down at times. That's just football. Um, but you're absolutely right, Lewis, mate, that both of them are going to come under increased um scrutiny in this weekend's game because of the way the situation unfolded because of the way um emmy martinez came in took the shirt played really really well deserved it earned his place and then the way he left and the fact that burn leno having been given his place back as the number one has made a few errors at the start of this season um, but it is what it is. We move on. We move forward. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the fixture in general, and then we'll move on to share with you guys my Arsenal team, uh, some of the discussion points around that, and uh, what I think. Uh, actually, I'm not even going to bother with what I think Mikel Arteta will do because he's been a bit of a tinker man, and it's very very difficult to work that out. Um, but we're going to talk about the team. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the team. And then I'll finish off with a prediction and, of course, you guys' comments and questions in the live chat. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button on the video, too. It's so, so important for us that you do that. Um, so thank you in advance for your uh, support. Right. Uh, let's move on to discuss the fixture in general. Right, head-to-head -head in the Premier League, Arsenal and Aston Villa have met 50 times. There's been 14 draws between the two sides, 27 Arsenal wins and 9 Aston Villa wins. If we look at the recent uh, fixtures between the two sides, uh, last season Arsenal lost at Villa Park by a goal to nil. If you guys remember, it was post-lockdown. Uh, we lost that game 1-0 and we beat Aston Villa at the Emirates Stadium back in September by three goals to two. That was, of course, under Unai Emery's uh, leadership. Um, prior to that, we hadn't met Aston Villa in the Premier League since the 15-16 season. Uh, we won both games that time. We won 2-0 at Villa Park and we won 4-0 at the Emirates Stadium. And prior to that, at the back end of the 14-15 season, Arsenal defeated Villa by five goals to nil at the Emirates Stadium. Spoken about the form of the sides going into the game, leagues, league positions are not too dissimilar at the time of recording. Arsenal are in ninth, Villa are in eighth. Villa of their last five, they've won three. Arsenal have won just two, but it's important to remember that in those last five games, Arsenal have been to Liverpool, Arsenal have been to Manchester City, Arsenal have been to Manchester United and Arsenal have played Leicester City at home as well. So it's been a difficult run of fixtures for Mikel Arteta's side and it's not really easing up either, but um, this is a massive opportunity to take three points and go into the international break on a high, which would be incredible and really positive if we could do that. So very much looking forward to seeing uh, what Arsenal come up with this weekend. Uh, discussed a few of the other statistics as well in terms of uh, the most assists over the two sides as well. Um, Jack Grealish has four. John McGinn also has four. And in uh, third place is Hector Bellerin 
who uh, has got two for the Arsenal this season. Two assists for Hector Bellerin. Um, moving on to passes completed, Arsenal completely dominate in that side. Uh, Gabriel has completed 500 and, or played 523 passes. Granit Xhaka, 353. Danny Sabahs, 337. So Arsenal leading in the passes front. But we know that a lot of those passes have amounted to not very much. And that's kind of been the frustration uh, during this campaign so far. Moving on to tackles, Villa lead the way in this. Matt Cash has got 20. He's made 20 tackles. Trezeguet, um, a winger incidentally for Villa, has uh, managed 15. And then in third place, it's Gabriel for Arsenal with 10. Right, those are some of the uh, official PremierLeague.com statistics. Let's move on now to discuss the two sides. So, or to discuss the Arsenal side, I should say. I'm not going to discuss the Villa side. Don't worry, don't tune out. Um, <laughs> right, I've I've lined up with a team that won at Old Trafford to begin with. I think that's a good place to start when having this discussion. I think that when you look at it, um, you can you can see that obviously I've done it as a back four, but it was very, very clear that when Arsenal were defending, it was a little bit more like this with Gabriel tucking in, Tierney tucking in alongside him and Bukayo Saka dropping into a left wing back position. And Arsenal were playing with this kind of uh, five-man defence, went out of possession with Elneny and Partey providing a shield uh, to that defence. But obviously when Arsenal had the ball, that was very fluent and that changed and often Bukayo Saka would find himself on the left flank and with Bukayo Saka playing in that sort of hybrid role it gives Arsenal a lot of flexibility we've spoken about this on recent shows so I don't want to keep banging on about it keep harping on about it but we saw Aubameyang get closer to Lacazette and that was as a result of Saka being able to move into those positions and um, you know when Arsenal have the ball it's so, so important that we have players that are given that creative freedom, players that have the, the license to do things like that, to make movements like that, to free up Aubameyang, to free up Willian at times. Willian was very much tucking inside at every opportunity when Arsenal were pressing forward and Bellerin was coming up and down the flank. Arsenal squeezed Manchester United into their own half like this um, very, very often in that game at Old Trafford. And that was one of the keys, I thought, to our dominance in the first half. It was so, uh, so important. It was so effective. And I'd like to see Arsenal do something very, very similar against Aston Villa here. Look, if you've got the balls to do that at Old Trafford against Manchester United, then why shouldn't you be doing it at home to Aston Villa? Now, when I look at that side that played um, that played against Manchester United at Old Trafford, and I think about the fact that you know, how many of them played the other night? Leno played, um, William played from the beginning. Um, but other than that, Partey was out, Elneny was out, um, Saka didn't start the game, um, Lacazette didn't start the game, or Bamiang didn't start the game. So it kind of leads me to think that we're probably going to see a very similar side to the one that won at Old Trafford. My only sort of slight concern is. Should we be looking to change it up a little bit because I expect the pattern of the game to be different? Because I'm less fearful of, of Aston Villa at the Emirates Stadium than I was about Manchester United at Old Trafford. Is there a case to be made that there should be a few changes? For example, Rob Holding was, was rushed back into the side against Manchester United because we were desperate. Let's, let's, let's have it right. We were really, really desperate. Rob Holding was, was almost... 
I'm not going to say forced because we've heard that he really wanted to play as well. But Rob Holding rushed his recovery to be involved in that game. And that was because David Lewis is out. It's been very, very clear from the day Mikel Arteta took over at this football club that David Lewis is very much a part of his first team plans. Is David Lewis going to come straight back into the side? I think this is one of the talking points ahead of this game. He played the other night um, in the Europa League. Not ideal that he's played Thursday. But what does Mikel Arteta do now? Does he look and say that Holding probably still needs a bit more time to get back to 100%? Lewis came through the game on Thursday unscathed. Let's move Lewis back in the side. I don't know. I think there'll be a lot of you that want to see Rob Holding stay in the in the team. And I understand that when a player performs, um, you know, to then drop them and leave them out the next week is is somewhat unfair. But Mikel Arteta has shown that he won't shy away from that. He would do that in terms of managing his squad if he feels it's necessary. Now, when we cast our minds back to the game against Leicester City, which was obviously really, really disappointing... Our main creative outlet in that game, from defence, believe it or not, was David Lewis. David Lewis with those long diagonal passes to Tierney, to uh, to Bellerin, when those guys were pushing up on the flanks, was key. And it was the, the only real way that we got in behind Leicester City. So does Mikel Arteta look at David Lewis and think he gives me a bit more in terms of his distribution from the back, in terms of his ability to pick out passes from long distance and provides us with another creative outlet, even from the heart of defence. Maybe. Um, I think he does. I look at that and I think that if David Lewis is fit, if David Lewis come through that game uh, the other day unscathed, then David Lewis should probably come back into this side. Um, Some of you are going to disagree with me on that. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to change on my screen. I'm going to go for... David Lewis over Rob Holding. Just for those reasons I've discussed, I don't think David Lewis um, is always defensively 100%, but David Lewis gives you an outlet. David Lewis will help us progress the ball, I think. And in a game where I expect us to be, um, I'm not going to say more dominant because we were very dominant at Old Trafford, but in a game where I feel like the hosts are going to be a little bit, uh, sorry, the visitors are going to be a little bit more Cautious. I, I, I expect Aston Villa to be less ambitious than Man United were at Old Trafford, obviously. And so I think that David Lewis coming into that side isn't a bad thing. I think we could do with his ability to distribute the ball. Um, so, yeah, David Lewis comes in at centre-back for me. In terms of the, the midfield pairing of Partey and Elneny, I'm going to stick with that. I thought they were both excellent um, in the game at Old Trafford and were both so good that for me they're undroppable. Um, again, there's an argument that maybe you'd like to see Danny Ceballos in there because of his passing ability. Maybe some would like to see Granit Xhaka in there. Um, I'm going to stick with my guns on that and I'm going to leave Bukayo Saka in there with them because I think that that ability to progress the ball and, and pick up those sort of odd positions in between the lines in the difficult spaces and, and essentially pull out to the left to allow Oba to get closer to Lacazette. I'm going to stick with that midfield. I'm going to go Elneny, Partey and Saka. Now, across the front three, it'll be interesting to see, actually, if Willian starts because he um, he obviously played OK at Old Trafford, I thought. Um, it was probably his best performance in an Arsenal shirt since the game against Fulham on the opening day. Again, you could still argue that we want to see a little bit more from Willian, but I would, I think... Um, 
leave him out, um, if I'm honest. I think I would leave Willian out. And I think that for me, um, I would go with Nicolas Pepe. I would. Um, a lot of people have, have slated Nicolas Pepe's performance against Molda the other night. And even though we looked at it and you think there's more to come from this player, he can still do more, he can still be better. He did score and he did get an assist. And Nicolas Pepe, feel, it looks to me like he's really lacking in confidence. Even when he scored his goal, I mean, he barely cracked a smile. He looks like someone who's very, um, I guess, unhappy. Um, maybe unhappy is not the right word. Somebody who's a little bit unsure of his own ability at the moment. And I don't like that because players like Nicolas Pepe, they're built on confidence. Players like Nicolas Pepe, who like to pick up the ball and run at people, shoot from the edge of the box. I think you need to be confident when playing that role. And, and to be at the very top of the get of your game, you need to be willing to try things. And to Nicolas Pepe's credit, he does try things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Unfortunately, though, he gets uh, picked on a little bit when those things don't always come off. But sometimes we can be, I think, guilty of over-analysing games of football, over-analysing individual performances at the end of the day. And I know some people will come back and say, oh, but it was just Mulder. Yeah, it was just Mulder. But Nicolas Pepe scored a goal and he provided an assist. When he started in the game against Dundalk last week, he scored a really good goal. So when he is when he is playing, he is delivering outputs. Now, whether there's an argument that says he could be delivering more, he should be producing more, he should be effective, that's up for debate. And I think that is a really good debate. And I do, I am one of these people that wants to see more from Pepe. And I only want to see more from Pepe because I feel like he's got it. I feel like that ability is there. It's just about channeling it. It's just about getting the best out of him. Um, and that's been the issue with him so far. So, yeah, I, I, I play Pepe over Willian. But that's my thoughts. Lacazette up top, Bamiang from the left. Um, let me know uh, you guys' starting lineups in the comments. Um, right, let me share with you guys my prediction. I'm going for a narrow Arsenal victory. Um, I'm going to go with a 2-1 to the Arsenal. That's my prediction for this game uh, on Sunday evening. Arsenal versus Aston Villa. I'm going to go with Arsenal 2 Aston Villa won. Um, let me know you guys' thoughts as well in the comments. And now uh, we're going to take some of your questions and some of your comments from the live chat box before we wrap it up. Uh, big hello to Tai. Big hello to Lewis. Um, big hello to Graham. He says, dodgy game this. Grealish can hurt us. And if we go behind, Martinez will have a blinder. I think it's just sod's law, isn't it? That Emmy Martinez is probably going to have the best game of his career against us. It just feels like that's going to happen. And, you know, it's um, it's just the way of football. It's just the way things go. I do think Grealish can hurt us. I think you're absolutely right. And, and Grealish is an interesting one, though, because for all that he brings in an attacking sense, you've also got to bear in mind that he's been playing from the left for Aston Villa. And from the left-hand side, is Jack Grealish going to work back enough that is the question. That is maybe an area that Mikel Arteta should be looking to expose. I spoke about it after the Man United game. I said that Arsenal have been very geared under Arteta traditionally to, to attack down the left. But in the game against Manchester United, we attacked down the right. And why? Because we identified a weakness in Luke Shaw and we identified the fact that Paul Pogba wasn't going to get back and help him. And it could be a similar story in this game against Aston Villa. Is Jack Grealish going to support his fullback enough you know, there's an argument to say that he doesn't. And and so perhaps Bellerin is going to be a more um, 
useful option when trying to create that overload. And that overload from Arsenal, again, like it did against Manchester United, is going to come more often on the right-hand side than on the left. Let's see. Uh, big hello to Matthew Simpson and to Ali in the chat. Uh, hi to Rocco Rodriguez joining us from Mexico. How you doing, mate? Hi, Majid, as well. Um Guns and Yellow Ribbons, great podcast. Check them out. Fergus says, is this Emmy versus Leno? I think there's a lot more to the game um, than this, but it will no doubt be the narrative for some. Um, for those, look, I think that I would have liked to have seen Emmy Martinez stay, but um, equally, I'm not so extreme on it that I'm going to make a big deal out of it in this match. I feel like if we're talking about Leno making mistakes in this game and Martinez having a blinder, then it's a, a fair discussion to be having again. But yeah, you, you're not going to get me labelling this as Emmy versus Leno. And I think there will be some out there who are doing that. Um, but for me, I think there's a lot more to this than than a battle of two goalkeepers. Um, let's see. Uh, Selgius says, do you think Mikel Arteta will incorporate a similar strategy to the Man U game or Molder game strategy. I think it will be more like the United game where we try and squeeze them in their own half, where we're a little bit more aggressive, where we are in that formation where we shift um, into the back five when we don't have the ball. I thought against Molder that was going to be the case again. I thought that Granit Xhaka was going to play very much like a centre-back. And although at times he did drop very, very deep to get on the ball, it was clear that he was playing in a more advanced role in that midfield. So I do think, as you as you point out, the strategies in the United and the Molder games were very, very different. Um, but I expect it to be more along the lines of the strategy that was employed at Old Trafford. That, um, that aggression um, and, you know, that sort of... What's the word? Um, dominance. I think is the word that I'm looking for. I want to see that dominance from Arsenal again. And and if we do it at Old Trafford against the Manchester United side, there's absolutely no excuse not to be doing it at home to Aston Villa. <clears throat> uh, Carlo Legoli says, uh, do you think we should go all out attack in this game so we can progress in an attacking sense? I don't think you can go all out attack. I think that Mikel Arteta won't go all out attack as well because I think Mikel Arteta has learned that Sometimes the patience does pay off. You know, we've looked at certain games that in years gone by, we'd have been creating chance after chance after chance. The West Ham game, the Sheffield United game. But equally, in playing that way, we'd concede opportunities and often we'd give away silly goals. What we did in those games was we stuck out. We stuck at it. Our game plan was a little bit less aggressive but he trusted in the fact that when those moments came along, we would take those chances and that we had enough quality to create enough, even if it's not as much as we'd like, but enough to get over the line. I think Aston Villa, for all the things I've said about them, for all the things I've said, like I think that they're punching above their weight at the moment, that I still think we have to put into context. This is a side who have made a few additions, but ultimately just about scrape relegation, etc. Um, for all of that that I said, I still feel like they're a team that carry threat. And it would be naive to to go into this game um, not paying them some respect. I don't think we should pay them too much respect, so much respect that we lose what we're trying to do. But there has to be an element of respect there. And I don't think we can go out all out attack. I think you'll see a very similar um, Arsenal to the Arsenal that you've seen all the time under Mikel Arteta, where he's desperately on that borderline between attacking enough and defending effectively. Uh, morning to Robin. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Um, da -da 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 -da. 
just uh, scrolling through some of your comments apologies there's quite a few i'm just trying to pick out some i'm trying to pick out those of guys that haven't answered as well uh majid says do you think willock should be given a chance and in and start in midfield with el nenny and Partey? i've done a video on this yesterday um and a podcast so if you haven't checked it out uh, check it out uh it went out yesterday it was uh does joe willock deserve a chance in the premier league i don't think that joe willock should start the game no um but as i pointed out in that show and and if you haven't checked it out please do so and and like it and share it and you know the drill by now I spoke about the the different option that that Joe Willett gives us and the different style of play that he brings to the table, and I stick by that. I think Joe Willett has got a lot of qualities. I think Joe Willett is improving. I think Joe Willett should be an option at a certain point in the game if it's not going the way we want it to be. But I don't think that he's been. Look, I think he's been good in the Europa League, and I pointed that out, and I gave him plenty of praise. I praised him immediately after the game as well on our post match show, but. I just feel like he's not been so good that he now forces his way into a side and into a system that changes, uh, into a system and changes it, sorry. And and when I say that, it's because, not because I don't think he's performed well enough, but I guess my key point in this is that Willock doesn't fit in the system that Mikel Arteta plays in the Premier League. So in order to incorporate Willock from the start, you'd have to change that. And is Mikel Arteta willing to change that? I don't think so. I don't think he should change it either. Um, because I know we picked that we've we've lost three times already this season, but I thought we were unlucky in some of those games, and I actually thought that we've still, despite that, been a lot more competitive in those particular fixtures than we have in years gone by. So yeah. Um yeah. Not for me, not a starter, but definitely someone who should be on the bench. I was baffled by the fact he wasn't on the bench for the game against Manchester United after playing so well in midweek. I thought that was harsh um, from Mikel. Uh, but I do expect him to be on the bench this weekend. And if needed, I think he should be called upon. Big hello to Chris Pantelli. He says, hi, Harry, hope you're well. It's a year ago today that I tragically lost my beloved mum. Um, time has flown by. I'm hoping that Arsenal can cheer me up this weekend. I say 3-1 Arsenal. Um, thank you for your comment, mate. Thank you for your prediction. And I am sorry um, to hear about your mum. May she rest in peace um, and uh, wish you all the best. But thank you for joining us, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Um, Real Captain says, Pepe should start and Saka should have a rest. Lewis should come back as holding was rushed, pretty much. Um, what I said, bar... The Saka thing. I think Saka should play. I think Pepe should play as well as Saka. Um, but that's my view. Um, but yeah, thank you for your comment, mate. Cheers. Um, let's see what we've got here. Uh, Barlow, uh, in response to my team selection, says, I'd rather have Sabayas than Elneny. Need more creativity. You say that, but having that solid midfield allows your wider players to have a bit more freedom. And in turn, gives you added creativity also I thought that the three chances Arsenal created in the first half at Old Trafford were as good a chances as we've created in any games really this season and so when you look at that midfield Elneny was in it so I, I, I respectfully disagree with that I think yeah he's not you know he's not Zinedine Zidane or anything like that but he does um, his discipline the stability that he gives you, I think, allows others to push on and, and in turn gives you more creativity naturally. Um, yes, we need an upgrade eventually, I think. 
Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what I'd go with. Um, Robin says, agree with that three-man midfield, Harry. Thank you very much. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Uh, Carlo Legoli asks, what is that program's name that you show your team? Uh, I just typed in tactics board on Google. I don't even know. It's an online browser thing. Um, I will check it out for you because I've closed it now. But I will check it out for you um, and have a look. And I'll uh, write it in the comments and I, to remind me and I'll send it to you. Um, let's see what else we've got. Um, da -da 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 -da. Guns and Yellow Ribbons, great show as always, Harry. I think I watch more Chronicles than Sky Sports News. Thank you so much, mate. Uh, really, really appreciate that. And guys, if you haven't already, make sure you head over to the Guns and Yellow Ribbons podcast hosted expertly by Fergus. He has some wonderful guests on there as well. Um, and it's a great show. So please do check it out. Uh, big shout out to former Arsenal striker, Arsenal hero, Kevin Campbell. Big Kev, how you doing, mate? Welcome to the program. He says, hi, hi, Harry. I hope you and all the Gooners are well. Hope you're well too, mate. Um, hope you're keeping yourself occupied during lockdown. And um, yeah, speak soon. Fingers crossed. And uh, fingers crossed Arsenal get all three points this weekend. Uh, let's see what else we've got here in terms of your comments. Uh, big hello to John, uh, to Jack, um, to Abdul. And um, I agree with Carlo when he says, guys, hit the like button. Please do so. If you haven't already, uh, hit that like button uh, and uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Sorry, lost my trailer thought there. A uh, couple more comments coming through. Uh, Lewis Cooper says, uh, Partey and Elneny's midfield partnership is the best. Is it the best we've had since Corcoran and Cazorla? Hmm. Um... I think obviously with Cazorla in there, you had a bit more, um, you had a bit more creativity. I don't think anybody can deny that. Santi Cazorla was a wonderful footballer, a technician, an artist, and so Santi Cazorla brings you more of that, obviously. Um, but I do think with Partey and Elneny, there's a lot more physicality, and there's a lot more discipline. And when we're talking about discipline, we're not just talking about, you know, positionally. Um, Francis Coquelin would often pick up a yellow card after 10 minutes and you'd be like, oh, for God's sake. Now we've got to go over the rest of the game with uh, with Francis Coquelin um, on a yellow card, which was a problem. Listen, Thomas Partey gets his fair share of yellow cards as well, but I think positionally, um, him and Elneny are a more disciplined pair. But in terms of creativity and, and ability on the ball, just the fact that Cazorla is in the other pair you've mentioned, it gives it to them, you've got to say. Uh, right, Suhel says, uh, what are the chances of Emmy treating this game as a Champions League final and becoming a wall? Our players will need to take most of the chances. Yeah, I, I do think that um, that Emmy Martinez will be wanting to prove a point. Um, of course he will. You know, this is a club that, you know, yes, he he managed to win an FA Cup with and had some had a really good time with, but ultimately... It was a club that didn't give him a chance for the best part of 10 years. It was a club that overlooked him time and time again. And having got that move away, after having win, having won the FA Cup, I think he will have a point to prove. And I do, as much as I don't want to say it, I feel like he's probably going to have the game of his life. It would be sod's law, wouldn't it? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. 
Right, uh, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Don't forget the show is sponsored by Manscaped.com. If you haven't already, check out their products. And if you fancy ordering something, well, why not enter our discount code of Chronicles AFC, all in capital letters, to get 20% off. Um, so yeah, do check Manscaped out. Um, lots of information coming your way with regards to the channel in the next week or so. Our competition is starting tomorrow as well. I've been meaning to do that all week. Listen, I know that I'm useless on some of the admin stuff with this with this channel. I know that I've got to um, reply back to a load of the patrons. I know I've got to put out this competition. Um, I know I've got to do a ton of things. Um, I'm going to be making changes to the Patreon stuff as well. Um, so I know I've got to do all of that. And I just, I've just been so busy. And I I know it's not good enough and it's not acceptable, particularly uh, to those of you who are patrons. I, I, you know, leaving you a day without replying is, is simply not good enough. Um, so uh, I'll... I'll be coming back to each and every one of you this weekend. Um, it is on my priority to-do list. Unfortunately, I am working all day today, so it's going to be difficult today, but I promise I'll get it done tomorrow. Um, but there are some massive changes coming. Um, there are going to be some enhancements to the channel, um, to the programming schedule. There's going to be more content. Yes, more than there is already. Um, lots and lots to be excited about. Um, had some really positive meetings this week, but I can't reveal anything yet um, because it, until things are, are, are done and dusted, I won't sort of um, do that. But just know that I am working really, really hard behind the scenes to improve this channel further, to bring you more content, to bring you better quality content as well. Um, so just bear with me. Um, the fans show's coming back. Um, lots of things are coming back. Lots of things are, are new that are coming along as well. Um, so lots and lots to be excited about. And I want to thank every single one of you for your constant support. It is very much appreciated. And I apologize again for being shit um, in replying to people. And sometimes, guys, look, I, I see them after months sometimes. I know sometimes you guys DM me on Twitter. With my DMs on Twitter, I a lot of them go into this kind of message request section where if it's someone that I don't follow and they're sending me a DM, um, it doesn't come directly through. It stays in this box of like mess. They're, they're called message requests and I don't always get to those often. And the reason I don't check them so often is because for all the wonderful comments I get um, from you guys and for all the support, there's a lot of idiots out there as well that, you know, when they don't disagree with an opinion, they they start and they abuse and they send nonsense messages. And I used to get angry about it. I used to respond to it. But now I just ignore it. And um, yeah, there's a lot of those messages as well. And that's why I don't check that extra inbox as often as I probably should. But I will um, make an effort this weekend to have a look and I'll come back to every single one of you who has sent me something. Right. Um, thank you all so much. Uh, I'm off to work on the Everton versus United game. Then I'm working on the Chelsea versus Sheffield United game. If you're based in the States, come and join us for live commentary on VSIN. Um, official Premier League commentary. They've got the rights. It's a proper... Um, uh, big deal. So come and check that out. I'll be bringing you commentary of the game between Chelsea and Sheffield United at Stamford Bridge. I've posted the link on my Twitter account. Uh, for those of you outside of the US, you should be able to get it through the internet link. Um, 
some devices have it blocked though because it's only supposed to be in the states but i've been told by a little birdie that it works on laptops it works on android phones as well so um yeah if you fancy joining me for that come over and do so right until next time take care and uh, we'll be back tomorrow night after the game between arsenal and aston villa and fingers crossed we'll be discussing another three points up the arsenal cheers listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.